And after all, I lost my level head oh, Our enemies, they say we're And in your eyes I see the woman slip away And my heart decides to see what will become Whoa, yeah. Shadow work So when it comes to the shadow, most people will give you the brilliant and excellent advice to turn the lights down in your room Go into the corner Think about scary and mean thoughts. Oh, I want to kick my dog. When you have that little bit of food left on your plate after dinner, instead of giving it to this your sister, you throw it in the bin. And think and indulge in those thoughts and be like, why is that good? Yes. Yes, I like not giving stuff to my sister. I like... I like not cleaning up after myself and leaving it for my mum. I like tripping people up in on the street and then running away so they don't see who it is. I like this. This is good. It feels good. It gives me power. And this is, of course, very, very great and sage advice. But, <laughs> but I am uh, looking for a scientific basis to all this stuff because I, of all people, need science in order to... to, to to verify my thoughts to myself. I need the, the, the authority of science or else I won't think at all. I never think outside the realms of science. And so today what I'm going to do is something very classic and very scientific and very old school. I'm going to show you my genius about how I'm solved another one of those immense, difficult, profound riddles, such as finding the mountain archetype, finding the logos of music. And now I have found the verification of the shadow. I've discovered that Jung is correct. And I'm going to show you with science how I discovered it. It's genius how we put these two things together. And what's so interesting about this, what's so mind-blowing, the reason why this video is going to be studied in, um, in Boyoversities for a thousand years to come is because what I'm going to do here is, by using science, show you why the virtue of humility is scientifically verified. I'm going to show you why the, that moral pro proposition is actually scientifically correct, which means that the whole debate about oh, the meaning crisis, you see all these losers like, oh, there's a meaning crisis, oh no, nihilism, oh no, the death, they're all losers, like, because they've never faced their shadow. When you do, when you do what I do, and you become a genius, you see that this humility is actually so scientifically obvious that it just blows everything out of the water, and it just all falls into place and makes sense. It's, there's no problems. Oh, there's problems. There's no such thing as problems. It's just that you haven't faced your shadow. It's that simple. And of course, I did it for you. And now I'm going to give you the truth. And you're like, this is going to blow your mind. So basically, I'm going to do what all good geniuses like myself do. Um, Newton, for example, he's a great genius. He's right up there with me. And he uh, stood on the shoulders of giants. Now, what the hell does that mean? Well, basically, when there's people who figure stuff out, what you do is you got to stamp in their heads and then take their stuff and don't do anything original and then claim it for yourself. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand on Jung's head and I'm going to stand on Ian McGilchrist's head. So Jung comes up with this proposition of the shadow and all this and people are like, oh, woo-woo scientists. And I'm like, of course, because they don't have the brain to understand it. And then Ian McGilchrist, a uh, very, very smart man, comes up with this very, very interesting take on what the left brain and the right brain is. And so this is what we're going to explore because this is something that's only really burst in the last 10, 20 years or so. 
this is neuroscience that was validated long after Jung was knocking about being a boyo like. And so uh, when we look at what Ian McGilchrist articulates about the left brain and the right brain, this is a man who studied this for a long time. You see a mind-blowing revelation, and it really is. Like, as much as I'm talking crap, this is actually very, very interesting. I'd love to see how we could follow up with this. Ian McGilchrist looked at the way that, you know, the, the sort of typical boardroom way that people talk about the left brain, right brain. It's like, left brain logical, right brain artistic. People were like, oh, God, come on. Like, what? Are you serious? Um, okay, okay, that's it's a bit flat. It's a bit, it's a bit uninteresting. It's a bit kind of like low, low quality take. Not very genius. Whereas us geniuses, we think with nuance. So Ian studied the left brain, the right brain, an immense amount because he was more interested. He thought there there must be something more to it, and it turns out that he was correct. Like this sort of idea that the left brain is logical and that, that gives it this status as, you know, the correct scientist and the right brain is the artistic, you know, floozy wife who paints in the corner and doesn't really make much sense about anything. It's like, how are you doing, right brain? It's like, bladder, 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 Carnation Street. <laughs> oh, look, I made a painting. Oh, look, I designed a cup. It's like, it, there's this devaluing to it. And so what Ian discovered is a massive reframe that the right brain is actually the seat of a lot of what we would consider intelligence. And it seems to be more in touch with reality. It seems to be a bigger thinker. It's almost like the way you could think of a general who controls an army versus like a little sergeant who runs around the trenches and gets something done. The little sergeant is actually the left brain. So it's not actually, well, you could say it's not as big picture intelligent as you as you might think it's most certainly smart and useful but it can only be deployed it can't it can't really grip the big picture it can't make those massive decisions and so the the right brain has this personification of this like huge scope thing able to see everything and sort of guides the left brain in a very subtle way and that's absolutely amazing because there's a there's a very interesting part about what it means to be a boyo or a human, like a boyo and then the human, whichever you are. And uh, the human experience is of this voice inside your head, this little like chatter that's going on, this little uh, tendency to rationalize. You know this, we always talk about this, your thoughts. People get very caught up in their thoughts. And the right brain takes this strange position in her head almost as the voiceless. It's almost like that, those, that talk is like our left brain. And then there's another part inside of us that's like our right brain that is apparently smarter and it's got this more general understanding of what's going on and uh, is something that we should immensely value. But we make the mistake of only listening really to our, the thoughts inside our heads. So this is where you get a lot of these ancient practices, like even modern ones, like the self-talk thing. Ignore your self-talk or correct your self-talk. Or you might get the Buddhist where it's like meditate and allow that voice to turn off, disassociate from that voice and realize you're not that voice. It's super interesting because now you're looking at the science behind this stuff and there's like, oh, there's something to this. And then there's this right brain that sits in the back, voiceless, is the one that has this like grander perspective. And when you, like as the Buddhist, can decide, disengage from that chattering left brain and move more into the right brain perspective, you sort of start to see reality, as they'd always say. And of course, Ian discovered that the right brain sort of has this grip of reality that the left brain doesn't. Now, I'm going to go into all this with the studies and whatnot in a moment. But I hope you're starting to see this very interesting thing going on inside your head that maps onto what Freud and Jung was saying. You've got the left brain that seems to be chattering a lot. Uh, it's it, it, This could very easily slot into the idea of the ego. And then the right brain has sort of got this 
position as something like the unconscious. And there's even very interesting books like uh, The Origins and Histories of Consciousness of the Bicameral Mind, which suggests that because this left brain has this personification as the chattering ego, the right brain, whenever it would interact, would almost appear like some type of superordinate god speaking to it. And that's the proposition of where we get all this ancient descriptions of, of gods they, they took so seriously because maybe in their head this is how they would experience these things. Perhaps we've actually lost something in that we don't experience these things anymore. Perhaps we're disconnected from this powerful brain. So this is all very, very interesting things. Now, the first thing you've got to get into is obviously the, the statement that Ian goes with with his book, Master and its Emissary. Master being the right brain, emissary being the left brain. And as much as I'm talking a lot of jargon here, so I, what I want to do is just paint a picture so you can understand why this exists. Because this is actually a hard thing to understand. Why do we have two separate brains, two separate hemispheres going on, two separate sides that seem to have literally personalities? Like, the experiments show crazy stuff. Like, you can, um, you can I think, disengage the two brains. You can cut the middle. And uh, if you do stuff with your do stuff with your right brain, like say pick stuff up, the left brain will just explain away what's happening and lie and all this. And it seems like there's two characters inside of it. If you want to watch a crazy video, look up CPS Gray, and um, you are two. Very very interesting and it illustrates what I'm talking about. So think about this: you're a little uh, shrew, you're a little boyo shrew, and you're uh, no, you're not. You're a boyo lion. You're a big badass, but there's a little shrew there, and we're gonna study him for a moment. And he's going up to the watering hole, and he wants to have a drink. Now, the little boy, <clears throat> the little shrew has a <laughs> has a problem. The little shrew wants to like schlup the water. Yeah, get that get that drinking. Go into the watering hole, as they say around here. And he needs to focus. But there's also a problem where there's a boy lion trying to eat him. You know, there's a he's he's mad mad uh, carnivore. He's gotten all into he's drinking butter coffee and uh, going uh, going mad carnivore. And he's like, oh, where's I want to eat some shrew. And so the, the mind of the shrew needs to do two things. It needs to f completely absorb itself in what's going on, but it needs to also have this, like, concept, this, 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 this sort of vague sense of the bigger picture around it, you know? So the, the shrew will focus, and perhaps you could say uses its left brain to focus. So you can think of, like, a telescope. It, it gets rid of everything else. It blocks out reality. And it focuses on procedure and getting this done. So it's like, all right, slup that bit of water, slup that bit of water, slup, that's a good job, there you go, get that one, that looks like a good bit. And it, it focuses on what it's doing and it forgets the fact there's like an entire world out there around it. Whereas the right brain inside the head of the shrew is almost acts like radar. It sets these pings going out and figures out the surroundings and does this very interesting thing where it would, you know, use patterns and whatnot to create this big picture perspective. And it happens subtly in the background because there's no need to be too attentive to what the right brain is doing. The right brain is like, as we said, the master. It's calmly doing this just to make sure everything's okay, just to make sure the vibe is okay. And if there's nothing serious, it literally doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't speak. It doesn't get in the way. It lets the left brain do what it wants to do. So it's actually wise in this strange way. It understands that it doesn't have to be the center of attention. It doesn't have to bully the left brain out of the way and be like, look at all the majesty of everything going on. It actually shuts up and steps, steps back and lets the left brain go crazy and do its thing. And so you start to see this very interesting relationship where the, the right brain is almost like wise and knows how to deploy the left brain. And the left brain has this problem where 
because it needs to focus, it loses understanding that it's actually subservient to the right brain and starts to arrogantly think that what like its little telescope is just the, the, the universe and it's the master of this little you know little kingdom that it builds inside its focus it's a very very interesting idea so it's there like doing the water and it's sucking up all the water it's like i'm literally the greatest badass in the world look at all this water i'm slurping up i am so good it's almost like he gets caught up in a game Yes, I'm so good at doing this. Oh, there's a worm. Flick it away. Like, and it's it just gets completely absorbed in this and thinks it's class. And then the right brain might might like obviously sees this and it's like, oh, this fucking Egypt as usual, as usual. But it has this very strange behavior where it it just lets it happen. It, it kind of gets that it's delusional, but it it realizes that that's a necessary delusion in order to get water so it lets it happen it's a very very interesting thing it's like a like maybe the way a dad might let his kid be a bit arrogant and and just keeps him safe you know the kid's walking around talking crap bladdering and bladdering and bladdering and the dad's just making sure that he doesn't like walk into the dog kennel or walk out into the street or walk on into cars or something like that so he's sort of gently guiding him but the kid doesn't even realize because he's walking around delusional this seems to be the relationship that's going on not the way we would think of it like logic versus artist it seems to be like wise guide versus um, deploying Luke Skywalker thing. Like, this is what we're getting at. It's more like the sage and Luke Skywalker. It's very, very interesting. And so why why does the right brain behave like this? Well, as I said, you kind of need to just not alert the left brain, the telescope of focus to the, the, the majesty of the surroundings if there's nothing really serious going on. it's You need to drink. So it's like instead of having a spiritual experience where it's like, I see the totality of reality, the left brain just needs to engage with what it's doing. Now, the way the right brain works when something goes wrong is interesting because you can imagine it's sending out this radar and, ding, and it's looking for stuff. And maybe the birds would fly off in the tree. It wouldn't take much of that. and think much of that. And the hippos in front of it might, might scamper out of the water. It wouldn't think too much of that. And then there'll be rustlings in the leaves behind it. It wouldn't take, think too much of that on its own. But it sends out all these things and it sees these patterns really quickly all at once. And this is, you know, subconscious or unconscious, if you will. You're there focused and then the, the right brain sort of vaguely in the back of your mind picks up these three things really like snapped really quickly underneath your ability to, re to notice them yourself because you're just caught up in this. And it says, okay, that's not good. Those three patterns creep me the fuck out there's something going on and so the right brain knows just from like um, millions of years of evolution that that's a bad thing running away birds running away hippos rustling behind and so what the right brain does is it seems like it just creates this like hunch this vibe this feeling this this ominous feeling you know like the the horror film feeling you know you put in the scary music it sort of creates that and that feeling starts to, to, to go into the, the consciousness of the telescope and then suddenly it's like the telescope is caught up and then this weird out of nowhere, out of the unconscious, this vibe comes and, and, go, and interrupts the, the flow or the, the, the focus of the telescope left brain and then the left brain snaps up and looks behind them. And it's, it doesn't really understand what's going on. It sort of noticed something and suddenly decided to pay attention to this. It's like the right brain told it in a very very interesting way like through an intuition if you will like the way you would interpret it is like oh it's an intuition i got an intuition i got a hunch i got a gut feeling you've heard all these words before it's it's like this is really interesting what the hell does that mean what's like a gut feeling what's what are, what are all these things 
And you can imagine that there's a part of you that's constantly shooting out this radar that's smarter than you, that's bigger than you, that's got a better conception of the world than you. And it's able to detect stuff like this. And so it gets this hunch, it sends you this hunch and you kind of snap up, look around and you see the rustling and you see two boyo, boyo lion eyes pointing out of the leaves and you're like, oh fuck, you run. And this is like obvious how this would work. It makes perfect sense. Like in the the evolutionary challenge of the jungle, you would need things like this. And all animals have this division of the hemisphere. So it makes perfect sense why they work this way. Now, like all things evolved, there's a thesis underneath this that these evolved and they are useful, but they're not perfect. You know, it's like that idea of when I got in my first fight, I was very much going on instincts. And so I was like, big, so you want to protect your face. So you get your, your jaw as far away as possible, stick your head up nice. And then you, you helicopter punch big because you get all that torque from swinging your arms like this. And uh, I won. But then if I came up against someone who knew how to fight, hands up, chin down complete opposite of what you naturally would do hands up chin down and he would destroy me imagine if i was going like that and he was just like idiot bang straight into the jaw stuck up i'd probably be knocked unconscious broken jaw or something like that and so there's something important to think here is that evolved we can do a decent job you can win fights but there's also a higher level to this as well and this is um, historically quite interesting. You know, the Catholics would have the notion of original sin. This is, this is the idea that you're fallen. It's actually very close to the idea that you're evolutionary, not perfect. And then the Enlightenment comes along and suggests you're tabla rasa, you're, you're blank slate, you're, you're per- like sort of perfect, you're sort of naturally rational. But society comes in and oppresses you um, or fills you full of nonsense that oppresses you and causes you to be bad. That's where evil comes from. It comes from society and that doesn't come from you. Whereas the Catholics is like, it comes squarely from you. And then, and then obviously the Enlightenment runs with that. They, this is where you get a lot of these revolutionary ideologies like nationalism um, against the Catholic Church, against the, the, the aristocracy. Communism comes from this as well. Liberalism, they all come from this idea of that if we just get society out of the way, our naturally rational beings will come out. And then obviously Darwin and Jung and Freud, these, these are all sort of connected, come with this new con- conception of human nature saying that, we are evolved and we're not perfect. We're actually kind of broken. Naturally, we're, we're not functioning properly. We're not fun- functioning optimally. We'd like if we were all rational, but the science is even val- verifying this now. We've got things like cognitive dissonance. We've got these weird problems where we've got this division of focus between two hemispheres. And so what the hell do you do about that? Because that's suggesting that you think that if you just took society out and got people, you know, got the church out of the way that was programming you with uh, you're originally sinful. If you got that out of the way, what would happen is you would uh, naturally release your, your rationality. But now we're starting to see that that's just if you just take away, like if you take away the gym, if you take people out of the gym context where they learn to fight, they'll just go back to helicopter punching. So it will be sort of, it will sort of work. People will be sort of like somewhat intelligent, but they won't be good enough. And we want people to be the highest standard possible. So what's interesting in that sense, where we we perhaps have an incorrect conception of human nature coming from that big revolution, which was the Enlightenment. Perhaps the church was like the old school Kung Fu gym. Maybe it was a bit intuitive. Maybe it was a bit sloppy. Maybe it wasn't perfect. Maybe it was a bit superstitious. 
but it's better than everybody saying, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn to fight on my own in my house. You're like walking around. Like imagine the delusions you could teach yourself doing stuff like that. And you see this. And then Jung and Freud sort of come along and say, okay, there is a way to fight. There is a correct way to fight. There is a way to use your mind properly. Facing your unconscious would be one of them. And so it, it, you start to see now as Ian comes with this idea of science, of the science of... Uh, of the left brain and the right brain, you're starting to see a suggestion of how this could work, what, what this could mean. Shadow work would be an example of that. So I hope I'm making sense here. Shadow work is an example of what Jung intuitively discovered as a way to solve these one of these problems, which is you naturally have this left brain that focuses and you naturally have this right brain that seems to be smarter and problems arise out of this dichotomy. You're, this evolves like the helicopter punches, it works, but there are downsides to this as well. So let's get into a few of these. First of all, just think very, very logically and straightforward. What are we suggesting here? The telescopic left brain vision has this problem where it gets obsessed and thinks it understands everything and thinks it's made sense of the world and thinks it's the king it thinks it's this arrogant genius it thinks it knows everything and the right brain is silent and has this bigger conception and wiser conception and better conception of the world and in some sense the left brain needs to understand that it is subservient and humbly must listen to the right brain. That's actually the correct way that relationship should work. It should be like the the um, Luke Skywalker and Yoda. Like that's the kind of that's that's the correct attitude you need to have. You need to have that attitude inside your brain. Now, how how hard is it for people to do that? Because if you're stuck psychologically identifying with your rationality, your your the the, the rationalizing voice inside your head that talks too much these type of things, your, 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 your little worldview that you build. If you're obsessed with that, you're probably doing, using your, you're probably helicopter punching, you're probably using your brain wrong. You know, there's a better way to use it. It would be to make it subservient. To give you a couple of examples about this, you have this um, situation where people, people are going into surgery and you're able to turn off the left brain or the right brain so you turn off the you turn off the one of the hemispheres you can talk to the other one and then you can switch it back I, they do it by i don't know really how they do it but they're able to do it anyway and so you can get a, a honest opinion from each of the hemispheres which is just crazy in and itself there's like two personalities inside of it and so if you ask the left brain something the little telescopic one if you ask the left brain something about what, well, like, describe yourself. The left brain will have this sort of inflated view of yourself. And then if you ask the right brain, the right brain will have a little bit more of a modest view. And then if you ask all the people around you to describe you as well, they will give an answer way closer to the right brain than to the left brain. Again, showing fundamentally that the left brain has this arrogance, this self-deluded, maybe even over overhyped view of itself versus the right brain which has this far more humble in touch with reality view there's even similar experiments as well where the left brain has this propensity towards denial lying and delusion very very interesting if you have a right brain damage and right brain damage tends to be way worse than left brain damage although neither of it's good if you have right brain damage that means you can't really like left hand connected to right brain. I know it's confusing. And so all you have is a left brain. All you have is the little telescope. You don't have the big, you don't have Yoda. All you have is Luke Skywalker. And so what happens is you look at your hand and uh, like the doctors will come around and be like, um, move your hand. And you'll say, that's not my hand. 
because you don't have that part of your brain anymore. That's not my hand. The left brain will deny the truth. That is your hand, bro. It's like, no, 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 it's not my hand. And then will be like, look, it's connected to your shoulder. And I might look. At that point, it might freak out as it realizes what's happened. Or else it'll be like, no, that's the, that's the hand of the guy beside me. And it's like, no, 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 there's his hand. You pointed out, there's his hand, there's his hand. Oh, well, maybe it is my hand. Yeah, sure, yeah, probably is. Sounds like my hand, yeah. Or it looks like my hand. All right, cool, could you move it? No, bro, I don't want to. It's I'm tired. And the left brain will just keep rationalizing, keep talking nonsense. Now, it's frightening to think about that because that's a massive part of you. Think about if you accidentally identify with this talking voice. Because as we said, Yoda doesn't really talk too much. Whereas the Luke Skywalker is running around explaining to himself what's happening. I'm class. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. I know what's up. I know what my plan is. I know everything. And you're identifying with Luke Skywalker. You're caught up in this, this, this notion of the left brain. And imagine your life if it's all delusions. And how do you mitigate against that danger? You're running around helicopter punching. Whereas you should be punching properly. You should learn how to use it properly. It's very, very scary thought. So what, what do you do about it? Like, how do, you, how do you solve that issue? How do you make sure that you're not running around delusional? Because it seems like this left brain is delusional. Now, the reason why this is, is because the left brain has a function and you must use it properly if you are to use your mind properly. It's a scary thought. The left brain's function is to actually literally use things. It is like a tool. Luke Skywalker is the, the person you deploy. Yoda is the one who understands. Yoda is the one who has knowledge, who has a conception of the world. So the way that the left brain does stuff like this is this microphone, for example. Uh, so I'll show you how the right brain does it first, actually. The, the, the right brain sees this microphone for what it is. What does that mean? Well, think of it in terms of like time, you know? Like, what is this microphone? And you could be like, well, you know, it's like this thing here. But not really. If you look at the Buddhist uh, notion of Indra's web, you have this idea that, all right, this microphone is an amalgamation of metals that all came out of this box that went back to some factory where there was a lot of people working inside of it that had these like rich families and or this this rich web of, of communities and families that they're all connected to. And then even further back, you have these metals that were inside this mountain no mountain archetype. And inside this mountain, they were they were dug out with this mine that made some guy rich who's probably bought some media company or something like that. These minerals have been in the earth for a million years that go back to the dinosaurs time. And so in some sense, this microphone in front of me might have even like the, the, the bones, the, the dust, the bone dust of a dinosaur within it. And it all amalgamated together through like a billions of different processes in order to come to this moment now. And that is true. And then when I speak, you know, What's happening with me? Like, I am all my food. Every seven years, all my cells replace each other. What am I? Wow, that's so crazy. Whatever I am, these muscles, this, this food, this air, like the food that goes into me, that comes from animals, that comes from plants. It all comes from an entire system, another system of factories, and all those processes come together in me to create that fire, that energy, those calories that burn. And then the breath, the air that comes in through my mouth, it's the same air that they breathe on the other side of the world. It's all connected. It's the same air that my ancestors were breathing. And now it's coming out my mouth. Now it's coming out my throat. It's going through these vibrations. It's turning into, what is this? A voice. What is this? This air comes out and then I 
enact vibrations on it and that turns it into sound, turns it into words, it turns it into articulation. Wow, is that like my spirit or something? And that goes into the microphone and then that turns into electricity into this machine. And that shoots down and then obviously like my, my image is going on this and it goes into this this computer and then it all amalgamates together, goes up onto the internet and then spreads out there as ideas and influences people and people can hear it. And it comes out electronically as vibrations in the air on, on some other part of the world. And then eventually this microphone is going to dissolve and die. It's going to get broken. I'm going to throw it out. And then it will dissolve and then turn into something else. It might end up being like a plastic bag or it might end up being like a part of a, some car wheel or something like that as it's recycled. And it's absolutely fascinating. Like, what is happening here? Like, all these processes are connected. There's there's something inherent that none of these things could happen without each of these links. And every moment when I'm standing up in front of this microphone to speak, like, there's this, this majestic, nearly godlike connect, connection to everything. Because where do you draw the line between this microphone being here and the factory and the minerals in the earth and the sun that, that ex is exploding all the time and then driving back all the way to the Big Bang? Like, we are stardust. And that is true. There is nothing wrong about that. But my left brain is sitting here inside my head while I'm doing talking about this and being like, bro, shut the fuck up and just use the mic. Just like talk. Just talk. Like see the little gold thing? Just talk into the dot. Oh my God. Like stop. <laughs> Buddhist this. Just talk. Just talk into the mic, man. Please, please, please shut up. <laughs> And you can see the, the function here. The right brain is sort of getting a grip of what's reality. But if I got too much into reality, it would make a spiritual experience of every moment. And that is absolutely amazing to think about. Like, it is no lie. It's amazing to think about what what is all these processes going together. But the left brain needs to do something. It needs to work. It needs to, like, participate in the world. It can't actually see the world as it is strangely it needs to lie it needs to fake it needs to get rid of all the other crap so it categorizes it, it, it takes everything and it turns it into a little box and it says what is this microphone in terms of its function oh it's speaking this direction you know it's sort of like a button held in the astral plane that when i approach the microphone i i don't think about any of the stuff i just described my, I just like speak this direction, speak this direction. Is the dot there? Speak this direction. Nothing else I think about. You know, I'm not really careful. That's it. That's as simple as I make it. And so your left brain has this habit of categorizing things, putting things into boxes, functional boxes. This is what this thing is. And that's absolutely amazing because it makes sense why you would do that. That is a good idea. It helps you participate in the world. It, it makes you a functional person. And so we see what the left brain is doing. It is putting things into boxes to make them useful. It is boxifying things. It is categorizing things. And the problem comes when, as we said, the left brain becomes tyrannical. It puts everything into boxes and it starts to, it builds this kingdom of boxes around it. And it starts to think that that little telescope, that little kingdom of boxes, of categories is reality. It gets absorbed in those. It, it loses its ability to be humble to Yoda. It, it starts to say to itself, that big confusing wash of processes I just described, it, 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 not even that it lies and says they aren't real, it just literally can't see those. And so it, it makes this mistake of thinking, what is this? Oh, well, it is just literally a thing that you speak into. It's not any more complicated than that. Don't overthink it. 
Maybe there's wisdom to that. Like there's functional, practical wisdom to that. But is that the truth? And of course, Yoda, the right brain, knows that that is functional and practical, so it lets it do it. But it knows that it's not the truth at the same time. And sometimes it needs to step in when the left brain's getting too crazy and bully it out of it, out of the, the line. Because as we said, like think of it like this. If I get too absorbed in my categories and my arrogance and a lion comes up behind me, the right brain needs to freak me out. It needs to send in an immense amount of... Um, fear and energy in order to shake me out of my 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 arrogant left brain thinking so it's absolutely fascinating what's going on here because you have this propensity and you know this when you're talking to people because in terms of like intellectual stuff think of what happens when you meet someone who's figured like who has an opinion about something they categorize everything they put everything into these boxes that they get and they understand. Oh, I've categorized all this stuff. This is the way I see the world. And it's absolutely true. And if you on any level disagree with me, you're literally Satan. And it's almost like you're talking to just their left brain. And it's impossible to, just, to talk to them on a level of bigger picture, wisdom or Yoda or whatever. They just absolutely get absorbed in their categories. And you're like, like is the... And, and it's weird, like if you start to argue with them about the categories, your left brain gets triggered a little bit and you have this like stupid argument that gets nowhere and it just becomes bitter. And you then, if you take the more humble Yoda-like approach where you're like, look, can you see how this could be wrong? Do you see how the way you, you've, you're completely wrapped up in this idea and you're kind of, you're, 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 it matters to your identity that things exist the way this exists. And if you try to explain this to them, they're like, no. No, not at all. No, you're evil. Don't ever talk to me again. And so you're starting to see something very, very interesting, which is the, the right brain has this conception of the world that is close to what all the spiritual traditions are always talking about. Heraclitus talked, said that all the world is logos and flow, and logos is not like logic, which is actually a more of a later development. Heraclitus says logos is almost like the, the eternal fire, the eternal transition, the eternal movement of the world. Exactly what I'm saying, those processes, like that idea that everything's connected. Everything's connected, man. There's actually wisdom to that. And you've got a part of yourself that's tuned into that. And then when the Buddhists are saying, as we said, just mindfulness, pay attention to what's going on, that actually seems to be flipping you into paying more attention or allowing your right brain to perceive things, which is super interesting. Um, that idea of flow. And then you see this in, like again, in this idea of, of the power of the right brain compared to the left brain. The way the left brain would perceive a person is, as we said, they categorize them. Like, I'm not me. I'm hand, I'm arm, I'm head, you know. I'm human being, I'm a concept, I'm an abstraction, I'm a category, I'm a function, you know. Like, I'm a, I'm a thing in some sense. I'm, I'm a, a yoke to use. Whereas the right brain would have this, like, very rich, personal, individual conception of what's going on. It sees you etched out in this, in this, all the magnificent uniqueness. And it's almost like if you were to get the left brain to draw a picture, it would be like a stick figure made up of different parts and it wouldn't really be in proportion and all this and it would just be the left brain's understanding of how a person should work whereas the right brain would be able to draw like a mona lisa very very individual very very even more more beautiful in some sense or more more rich you know and um, ian McGilchrist talks about modern art in this sense he says like you know back in the renaissance it's clear that the left brain and the right brain had the correct relationship and that's why a lot of the stuff was coming out with like stuff like perspective stuff like uh like detail oriented
orientated individuality, that type of thing, realism, these type of things, these seem to be, literally seem to be right brain traits, whereas now modern art is like, it's all stick figures. It's all abstractions. It's it's actually anti-realistic in some sense. It's it's more to do with, like, it's almost like the left brain is making the art now. Very, very interesting culturally. And so... In terms of shadow work, I know I've gone on quite the tangent here, but you need to see what's happening here. You need to see the division of these two these two beings, these two personality traits, these two parts of yourself, you know? As I said, you need to learn how to use these two together. This is literally using your mind. If you want to become juicier and better and smarter, if you want to learn to fight, you need to learn the processes, you need to learn the procedure, you need to understand your natural flaws, you need to know that you're going to naturally helicopter punch, you need to be like, that's what, it's all right if I naturally helicopter punch, but you also need to have an understanding of there is a correct way to do stuff. Now, the wisdom traditions knew this. Hubris in Greek means arrogance. The antithesis, the, the, the response of hubris was nemesis. So what would happen is hubris would be like the, the, the Luke Skywalker who would take over the kingdom. And then he'd go around and he'd like humiliate everybody in the kingdom. And what would happen is that would build up a big charge of nemesis in the world. A nemesis would come from the gods, which is, I guess you could say, the right brain's perspective on the world. The right brain sees everything as connected. And it sees, not only does it see like, you know, the microphone was this this amazing process that's going on, but it might also understand that out there in reality, there's also like higher principles that are controlling things, you know? Like there's, uh, you know, the, the, the law of gravity, something you can't see, but the right brain would have an intuition that there's something like that that's acting. It's almost like it feels like a god to the right brain, perhaps. Like, and god is just a category that doesn't really make sense when you start to look at things that way. Like there is these super forces going on. And so perhaps the right brain would see that every time uh, every time Nemesis, uh, every time hubris comes, every time someone gets too ar- um, arrogant, what's going to happen is out in the world, out in the world of processes, it's almost like that's a that's like a domino effect. You put too much hubris into the world, and right back around, the humbling nemesis is going to come and get you down. It's a very very interesting take, but it makes perfect sense in terms of this context, because what will happen is, as we said, if the telescope brain gets too caught up and says, "Ah, oh, this water is." the kingdom and I am the king, then he gets eaten by the lion. And that's his punishment for getting too caught up, getting too arrogant. And there's something very, very universal about that that's very easy to understand. Hubris and nemesis is the exact same as the idea of pride before the fall with Lucifer. Lucifer, think of this. Think of the way Tolkien and um, John Milton personified Satan. He was part of the choir. He was part of God's choir. And they were all singing in harmony. So God's choir is like the right brain version of the world. Everything's connected and in process and harmonic. And God, like Yoda, is there, you know, in- integrated with it and controlling it and, and humbly telling um, Lucifer to participate in it. And Lucifer is this dazzling, brilliant, skilled tool. Like the left brain, it is brilliant and the most useful part of ourselves in some sense, but it's not totality. And what happens is Lucifer gets caught up in what he's doing, saying, I'm the best soloist there is, and I I can do this myself. And it gets caught in its telescope and it, it breaks away from the, the orders of Yoda and the, the world and the natural orders of the world and, you know, harmony and you're part of a process and you can't just, like, think you're bigger than reality and all this. And it breaks away from this. Lucifer breaks away because he gets proud, he gets arrogant, and he falls. And he goes down at the pandemonium and he creates his fake kingdom, his little kingdom, his little kingdom where I am king. It's better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. And that becomes pandemonium. And that is his arrogance manifest. 
and this is this exact same problem oh my little telescope is true i just got eaten by a lion fuck <laughs> and so this this is a mythological verification it is uh, exactly what Jung was talking about with this. So a lot of people get into stuff like shadow work. They're like, whoa, darkness, evil. I'm going to think about, you know, the Joker or stabbing people or or like, uh, you know, drawing, drawing uh, getting canvases and like painting them all black and then like, you know, going out at night and stuff like this. And it's like, no, man. Think of it just rawly in terms of humility. Because that's the one thing I find the most with people when they're asking me about stuff like this is that they're, they're trying to mystify it. They're actually, what they're doing is they're trying to get their left brain involved with something like this. Like m most of the people who come across this stuff are intellectual people. Their propensity is to overthink. These are all things that serve this left brain in its negative sense. They allow you to over-rationalize. It's like, I'll just get more, more and more complicated categories, more and more complicated categories. That's what I need. In order to get forward, forward I need to fill my categories with more information information now think about think about how difficult this would be for someone it's like i want to figure out what to do and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to find these categories map out these categories and then make them really really complicated and instead the, maybe this step forward would be like this right-brained reframe you know just to to take yourself out of this kingdom and just see the bigger picture imagine it's you, you have to understand how impossible it is to see the bigger picture when you're trapped inside the kingdom oh i've got all these categories and you're, you're, you're stuck like in a, in a prison, in a labyrinth, as the Greeks call it, where you're running around trying to figure out these categories. And the more you learn and the more you feed this incorrect uh, way that you're doing things, the more these categories get complicated and you get trapped. And then what happens is the right brain is literally taking you outside of that. It would literally be like looking at you from the moon, a, a shift in frame. It's not more information. It's a shift in perspective. And that is so, so hard for people because not only are these categories intellectually complex, they're emotionally charged because a lot of people are in pain and they're hurt and they don't believe in themselves and they're trying to find a way out to fix themselves and feel better about stuff, you know, and and, and improve and, and win and all these type of things. And, and so these categories mean everything to them. They're the meaning of their life, you know, it's my purpose. And imagine trying to tell someone everything you've been doing so far has been a complete waste of time and you actually need a reframe if you want to take a step forward think of it this way you there's like a step there's like you're on a stepping stone you've got step one step two step three instead of taking like you're on step one and you're you're making it really complicated you're powering in all this complicated stuff and the next step forward is all you need to take and it's actually simple but it involves a different way of thinking a reframe you could say a more right-brained attitude and so this has all been abstract in and of itself and i want to give you some examples of how you do this or how i've seen people doing this or how it's happened with me for example when i'm talking about stuff like jargon that is actually a left an anti-left brain process. What do, does the left brain do? The left brain categorizes. The left brain puts things into boxes. Jargon are boxes, are categories. As I said, they're useful, but they need context. They need to have subservience to bigger perspectives. And so we make all these categories, these concepts, and as I said, they can become our prison. And so in some sense, if you want to free yourself from a prison, attack the jargon. Because that's what's holding, that's the bricks that make up your, your wall, your kingdom. Your kingdom, which you think is your kingdom, where your king is actually your prison. And the only way you're going to get out of it is a shift in perspective. You can see how all these myths are actually profound because it is re a reality of what you're trapped within. 
And something like shadow work is think of how it would appear to people. You know, like you've built up this kingdom of these concepts and then, you know, Satan or the shadow would be like this antithesis, this, this, this other perspective that you'd have that would come in and whisper to you, destroy the jargon, open the kingdom up, break, break down the walls. And you're like, no, that's evil. That's the opposite of what I want. Go away. And so Jung would say stuff like if, if this shadow is appearing in your dreams if this satan is appearing in your dreams and this is such an interesting observation it's almost like the right brain as we said that the right brain is trying to reach in perhaps like it sends a hunch to try creep you out so that you pay attention to what's going on it might send the shadow to try get you to pay attention to wake up to to, to break out of your break out of your your kingdom your prison and what will happen is you will obviously ignore it because you don't want to pay attention to it, but it will be extremely charged with negative emotion. And Jung says you just have to go for that. You have to start seeing things from its perspective because that's the one step forward. It's almost like the right brain is trying to butt in. Now think about it this way. When the shadow is appearing to you in a strong sense, Lucifer is showing up or hubris is showing up. When that's showing up to you and you're, you're avoiding it, that's actually more like a reflection than anything. Because what are you? You're standing in the kingdom being like, I am king, I am in pandemonium, I am Lucifer. You're unconscious of the fact that you're actually being Satan. And so when Satan shows up in your dreams or something like that, or Lucifer, or you get triggered by all this stuff, you are probably the one being like that. And this is the right brain showing a mirror to you to get you to wake the fuck up, perhaps. Now that's a fucking, that's a crazy idea. And so you have to go into this attitude of radical distrust of your mind. It's, unbe it's an unbelievably dangerous thing as well. But like, for example, at one point, I was always very categories, logic. I know everything. Uh, and the more I got humbled, the better I got. But I never wanted to get humble because it's shit. Like, believe me. But um, at one point, I like, you know, I hit on some hard times. And I just said to myself, right, I'm never I'm not going to make any positive assertions. I'm going to be completely subservient. I'm, I'm going to completely just listen to other people's perspectives and try steel man everything. And that absolutely changed my life. That absolutely changed, reframe my ability to think. It made me so much better at engaging with the world. It gave me like a lot of the stuff I'm talking about on this channel, like that's where it started to come together because I was just observing all the time as opposed to asserting or judging, which is, I guess you could call left brain behavior. I was just paying attention and that really just dissolved all these things that I knew and allowed me to see for the first time. It allowed me to take the step forward. And that was an entirely psychological and emotional experience. It was shadow work, if you will. What I'm trying to say here is shadow work is something you can do. It's quite simple. It is actually a procedural psychological thing. In some sense, it's that feeling of, of the, the horrible feeling of humbly letting go of the thing that you treasure so much you know the buddhists are like you got to let go and yeah you hear that and you categorize it as i should let go doing it is very very difficult but it works letting go of that nonsense letting go of your your arrogance and all this and so um when you when you do this a lot you start to build your character like this is as Jung would say these are the first steps and i'm really trying to push home here it seems like the science now backs him up like that's amazing that he called that but it, it makes perfect sense he was intuitively observing that stuff and now we can start talking about procedures to do it because Jung is kind of shallow on procedures he's it's hard to figure out what he meant by procedures and whatnot but you can look at it this way the virtue of humility is incredibly powerful it seems to be the root of all this now how do you deploy that is the question how do you 
you know, find your opposites, unite the opposites and all that. And so, um, like, that's an example with me, just humbly saying I'm always wrong. You know, I will be wrong about everything for the next year. And that changed my life. And you never think it would, but it did. Um, I, another, like, very, very similar examples is I was literally talking to a boyo yesterday and he uh, w was anxious and he has this anxiety problem. He was asking me, like, what do I do about anxiety? And I'm like, well, what's going on? He's like, well, you know, I'm like overthinking things all the time and always anxious. And I'm like, well, where, where's the anxiety in your body? And he's like, hmm. Well, like, when I'm anxious, it's, I guess, in my gut. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, there's this massive terror that comes over me. Like, the, the world's going to end. And I'm like, all right, cool. But that's still a little bit of an abstraction. That's a little bit intellectual. Like, what's, what does it physically feel like in your gut? And then it's like, oh, well, it's sort of like butterflies in my belly or something like that. And I'm like, okay. And what, what about what about your breathing? What about your chest and all this? And just bringing the awareness down into the body. And then over time, we start talking about it a bit and we start to realize that the, the thesis that this guy was going into with his anxiety is that what I'm going to do is I'm going to figure out how to fix my anxiety. I'm going to do cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to, I'm going to like rationally, my mind is going to figure out my anxiety because that's what I am. I am my mind. And then you say to him, well, wait a second, you're not your mind. Your mind is here. You've also got so many neurons in your gut where your anxiety seems to sit that you, ha you could easily say that your mind is also in your gut. It's also in your heart. There's more neurons in your gut than in a cat. And so what's going on there? Why do you think that there's, why do you think that this is you when this is you? Is it even worse? Because the right brain is connected more to the body. Do you think this left brain is you? Is that what's going on? And you're stuck in this little prison where you're anxious. As I said, it's very charged. You're anxious. You're afraid all the time. And there's this whole other part of yourself, this whole bigger kingdom, the kingdom of the body. And you're, you can't, you literally can't access it because you've categorized everything. You're trapped in your kingdom and you're trying to figure everything out. You're on step one and you're making it complicated and you're getting more and more anxious. And you're like, well, I don't want to trust my body because, well, you know, your left brain is like, I don't want to trust the body because like, it's the body. I, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. I'm anxious. And it's like, well, okay, left brain. Fine. Something might go wrong if you trust the body. Say, for example, you have a gut instinct and you say, right, I'm just going to listen to my gut instinct and not listen to my head. Fine, that, that might go wrong. But are you really an authority? So far, you've been anxious for the last 20 years of your life listening to you. So maybe we should try a new plan. And this starts to reframe the entire thing because the, 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 the boyo coming into this was like, oh, what's, I need some rational strategies. I need some intellectual things to fix this. I need to solve this problem. And it's, it's like, what about a reframe? Why don't you try a reframe? Why don't you try stuff like listen to your gut? Go with gut instincts, go with your intuition, you know? Why don't you try stuff like instead of instead of trying to think yourself out, out of anxiety, why don't you try like breathing exercises or something like that? Why don't you start to take this new perspective and attitude that you don't trust your mind at all? I know that's scary, but try it. Because why should you trust your mind? Take this perspective. Your mind is a bit of a prison. It's a bit of a, a Lucifer, a bit of a Satan and humble it. You need to humble Luke Skywalker so that he listens to Yoda and then Luke Skywalker can be deployed. It's like the story of Conor McGregor and John Kavanagh, his coach. Conor came in and was just beating everybody up in the gym. And so John Kavanagh like wrestled him down to the ground and beat the crap out of him to humble him. And then Conor would listen to John because once you get beaten, you respect. 
and that's the so what will happen is the left brain will come in be all blah 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 right brain has to humble it and then it will pay attention and now look at Connor he's king of the world and so this is the vibe this is what I'm getting at here another there's many other examples I'll go into as well now another prominent powerful and poignant example another one of the single most common patterns I find among the boyos and the alert is this serious problem of abstraction and over categorization intellectually this usually comes down to people who are like you know want to be a writer want to do their purpose want to become a salesperson whatever like it's it's a very very interesting fundamental problem like the reason why i'm making this video is because this thesis in my experience as well as in theory has most certainly shown itself to be true the most common thing i get with a boyo is they come into me with this this specific problem they're like okay i've got all this ideas in the back of my head but it's just not it's coming out my mouth like nonsense it's not coming out my mouth it's like clear in my mind when i'm thinking but it does not come out my mouth with any type of articulation and clarity and so like i would work with boyos that's what that consultation thing was all about working with boyos and what that meant but let's get more specific like what exactly did i start to see the pattern that i was doing quite a lot with people well we as i said the left brain wants to categorize the arrogant left brain wants to put things into its box that it understands and it controls i go i've got the concepts the concepts are mine i get them and just like the the guy with the the anxiety it's the same thing it's like oh I, i'm going to get the concepts that will solve my anxiety when the, the solution to his anxiety was an entire reframe of the problem the problem is is that you're never it's going to be, be an endless endless labyrinth that you'll never escape trying to get out of that that anxiety because you're trying to do it the wrong way you're going at it with the wrong approach and so what you get is uh, you get a boyo who wants to either be a writer wants to be a salesman wants to be a body boyo there's a, a myriad of different things that are going on here and they've got all this jargon in their heads all these concepts in their heads they want to do Jungian psychology whatever it is and when it comes to actually working with people they are just direly not getting any good responses the words come out their mouth and people are just like oh not interested one specific boyo has a was like very very highly high work ethic boyo high iq boyo smart dude but he found that when he was speaking to people it almost like scared him away because it was like you're just hammering them with all this knowledge that you have oh i've learned all this stuff look at all this stuff i understand and um it, it just does not communicate it does not compute with people and it's a very very tough thing because like how are you supposed to move forward in your thing in your in your your business or your 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 passion or whatever the hell it is or your 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 writing career or whatever any anything that involves communication which is practically everything how are you supposed to move forward with that if people are like getting scared of this treasure that you have which is this knowledge and it is like usually these concepts are rooted in something quite profound like you tend to get these concepts through like revelationary experiences when things just connect for you and then you know that they're they're, they're valuable but you are making the mistake of thinking that the concept is what is got all that power because it, it for you to, to to realize that took a big process of of like you know you euphoria or eureka moments for you to get to that conclusion and now you're just throwing the conclusion at people not taking them through the process and so speaking to like boyos like this you, and they're, they're like scaring people off and they're actually getting a little bit angry at the people they're scaring off you know the resentment is creeping in the shadow is creeping in they're getting aggressive they're like oh fuck these people they're stupid or like pe people tend to be generally stupid or they're it's annoying you know it it, it 
it makes you resent them and that's that shadow creeping in that's that's the signal that you're doing something wrong but it's really hard for you to accept that because the 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 integrity and the profundity of your theory is how could that be how could that be you doing something wrong it clearly shows that these people are ignorant and the the whole problem is that you're going to get stuck in that labyrinth making say all right i'll make my theory more i'll make my abstract theory more complicated i'll get the principles more profound and then people will just start buying into it and the, the attitude i've always found that works with these people our boyos in this situation which is the vast majority of boyos is to get them to just drop completely drop these abstractions and start from a different first principle take a different step for example like a lot of these involve soft skills like getting in touch with people communication skills education these type of things and body work and all this all right well if you really cared about people that much you would drop your theory and start paying attention to them start steel manning their reality get out of your own head get out of your abstract concepts and start going into their head i mean like how should i present this and working that way and that forces you to actually de-jargonify and explain like i'm five year concepts no one wants to do that everybody wants to hold their precious concepts to themselves because it will keep them safe and make them feel strong and it holds their ego together it does and it's their left brain is investing in it as well and so this becomes a absolutely crazy problem because it is a reframe it's a fundamental reframe and i found that the vast majority of boys i've worked with i it takes a while it takes a while to kind of like crack through their habits of left brain frying things like egoizing things categorizing things but once you start to do it their their whole per perspective shifts and it, it absolutely blows their mind and and really changes the their attitude towards what they're doing and makes them way more effective I'll, i'm going to start putting up uh, interviews with some of these boyos on perhaps a, another channel which might be called boyo university hint hint something may be coming but um that might be going up where you'll be able to see a lot a lot of the people i've been working with and the, some of the, ch the chats i've been having you'll see more clearly what i've been doing when i'm talking about storytelling or consultations or shadow work or how i work with people because fundamentally this this single process is something i'm very very good at it's just something i've been good at my whole life since i started investing in it once i started that humble thing and since I started saying, all right, I'm going to try to try radically doubt all my, my thinking assertions and I came, became more right-brained, if you will. It just made me better at thinking in that sense. It was a technique thing. And so it's really good in no matter what field the person is because it's it's always to do with their head. It's always to do with fixing their mind. And so... um. So that's one thing I keep noticing with people is, is that particular problem that I'm describing there. It seems abstract, but it tends to be universal. You get a chiropractor in and they have the problem where they have like, you know, a, a normie who um, has a sore leg and you need to get them to understand that the reason why their leg is sore is because it's it's their conception of their body is wrong they think you know that uh you know my leg is sore because there's damage in my calf muscle whereas the truth is that because this person has been sitting down their whole life they they don't properly move with their hip and so they need to train their hip consistently in order to make it better but the person comes in and says my calf muscle is sore so massage it so it goes away now that you've got a serious issue there because you need to get them to see a whole new perspective perspective on reality in order for them to solve their problem and that's really really hard so you sit down with the chiropractor boy or the, the body boy and you're like all right you digest the content for them and you show them you show them how you could start 
reframing the way they're explaining because they might come in with a lot of jargon they might be like you know the, the, the very typical stuff is like uh, fascia for example they'll explain all these things to the person and it, it'll just like water off a duck's back it just will not go in it will not compute so we would have to sit down and be like all right how do we completely put aside all our technical knowledge that we have and focus entirely on the person it's the exact same as if you're doing marketing in a business of some sort it's the same problem how do we get rid of all what we know and start focusing on what the person knows to get the, the customer engaging with you, to get the client engaging with you, to get the person vibing with you, to make your thoughts, your abstract thoughts actually come out your mouth with articulation, storytelling skills that wrap people up in it. It's the same with scripts. It's the same with everything. You know, it's, it's a universal thinking skill that will make you juicier. Now, the example of how it worked with me that was such a big deal was uh, I was obviously up here talking about Jung and Nietzsche and all this and getting into the Jungian stuff. And then I apply it to Jung and I take this very hard line with it. It's like shadow work, animus. This is all jargon. It must mean something or else I do not know it. Like I'm, I'm not allowed to say the jargon with any type of permission. And then it also made me look at, like, as I was, you know, getting into, you know, Nietzsche talking about, like, oh, what Nietzsche's advanced theory about religion and all this. And you look at what people need and you see that people are actually more stuck on more fundamental steps than I'm properly stuck on as well, which is we're trying to develop our characters. We're trying to perfect our art. We're trying to get on our purpose. We're trying to manifest all these things. And that that really took me out of my head when I started just paying attention and being like, oh, damn, it's happening again. I'm getting caught up in the concepts. I'm getting ridiculous about that stuff. And then when I start, I said, right, I started observing the boyos. So as I was doing those consultations, I was talking to a lot of the boyos, looking at what's really going wrong in their lives. And uh, one big deal I saw is that most boyos lack a high standard quality juicy network you know there's like they're hanging out with their friends and all that but they're intellectually isolated their friends aren't really like you know their friends aren't sitting down and being like right i'm gonna like character develop right what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna like actually manifest creative art instead what they do is they like watch sports and you know they they you know i don't know they just get they do derp things and that becomes really frustrating i know that because i've been there and it's not like these people are bad people or anything like that it's just that these these are the habits they're in and some people aren't destined to be like script writing Hollywood producers or or great musicians or like you know killer salespeople or something like that it's not or like you know um, internet personalities or whatever it is it's not like these people are, are want to do that or have the will to do that but you see when you do and you want to do something you know that you've got that creative spirit in you and you want to release it the, the, the society is not built to do that sadly and I noticed that a lot of boys are struggling with that they're looking for teams fundamentally they're looking for a connection where you can get together and feel that you're like part of a vibe where people are like focused on high standards high quality because even on the internet when you go on to it where you start to find this stuff the internet is littered with people who are negative and and and, and salty and i want to complain about stuff i want to complain about the culture but there's very few people who are in this type of vibe of of like together let's build something great and let's have a positive, assertive, juicy boyo attitude towards it. So that, once I started to see that, that opened up a door for me that I never would have saw. Because I thought I was going in this and what I'm going to have to do is fix people. You know, I'm going to have to do shadow work with them. I'm going to have to do the Jungian psychology with them and fix them. But I saw that, you know, what would really fix them a lot would just be finding a team that they could work in their thing with. They could, they could actually manifest their creativity because that's what most people simply want to do get better you know actually man embody these psychological principles as a charismatic salesman or like literally just churn out a comic book and finally get that idea out of their head onto the script or get the music done or you know actually figure out how to communicate to people about their body boyoism and so that that led me to something which i'm going to call the boyo university i am going to bring that up 
a lot more over the next while as we talk about it a bit more. I am just literally starting that out, but that's a subtle announcement that there is something coming down the pipe. But lastly, what I'm talking about here, this procedure you can do yourself. It is the virtue of humility. It is most certainly useful. It does work. It just fundamentally is built into your psychology, built into your brain. You're definitely not doing this. You definitely can always do it. Steel manning, destroying your jargon, getting more procedural about the way you, you uh, specific and procedural about the way you see things, seeing things more as processes. That is always valuable. It always improves your perspective and frame. Thinking is about taking re better frames, higher frames, bigger frames, reframing things. And since I am known for being brief, this will be the end. Brevity is the soul of wit, as uh, Shakespeare once wrote. Now, so everything I'm talking about here, there's a few cursory examples of how you can take this humility serious. We will have an awful propensity towards overthinking. And I have noticed this in myself. I notice this in everybody that I'm talking to. And it's a humility issue. It's fundamentally people know, you know, you know, you know the, the vibe. People are like, I know what's truth. I know what's real. I know how to do things. And people can't can't bend the knee to processes. People can't just say that they do not know and act anyway. And it's a very, very interesting thing. It's like, before I take step one forward, I must know. I must know for sure. It's what Jung often would say is that he noticed his propensity, especially in young men, is where they would, before they would just engage with life, go into the instinctive world of war and, and tackle and take on the world with this, this full-blooded, like, lust to actually win and actually go for things and not and they would they would sit around and they would try to figure everything out and clutch everything and put everything together that they can they can hold on to so they feel safe so that they could go forward in like a tank where they'll never get wounded or anything anything like that even though getting wounded is half the point of life it's it's half the thrill if it's half the experience and so there's this awful awful issue in any field that you're doing your purpose or whatever that it's it's wrapped up with some fundamental first step your first step is confronting the shadow as Jung would say like it is absolutely true from my experience and I know I, I deviate from strict Jungian psychology here but I'm more interested in updating stuff I'm more interested in the the the, the magical power of science which I of course uh, sh show my genius mastery of in, in this uh, discussion so um so there is the entire thesis. And as I said, the way it manifested with me was noticing how boyos are struggling with, on one hand, the actual humility in whatever endeavor they're doing to actually face things properly. And so the consultations that I've been doing have been working on that. On the other hand, it's that problem of finding people. It, it showed me that one of the main problems was not me like telling them they're broken and fixing them, but instead showing them the, like giving them the opportunity to network with like-minded boyos who want to become juicy, who want to actually get stuff done. It's like, it's in some sense you know community will solve a lot of your psychological issues and you don't really have to worry too much about being broken or, or mentally ill or something like that and so it's specifically on the consultation so with the boyoversity is something I'll, I'll articulate more in the future that is definitely coming up the, the basic idea is the thesis of we want people in who have the etiquette to to understand that this is how their minds will tend to work. They want to grip onto abstractions and think that it's progress and think they're figuring something out. But instead, we want to have an ethos where, no, it's about procedures and process. What's your thing? What are you aiming at? What do you want to get done? And we will show you how to do it. We will show you how to think correctly about it so that you can solve the problems yourself and actually make progress. And as I said, I'll put up content perhaps on the Boyo University channel that will explain this all. If you guys are in Patreon, I've already made an announcement there. I recommend you check it and you will have free access to it already. 
already. So check it out. That will be the testing version. And uh, there's uh, some content up in there that you can definitely check out that expands in many of the teams in here. But lastly, in terms of the consultations, because I know it was a little bit vague, I was just like, here, bios, <laughs> slip in the old emails there if you want to have a chat and whatnot. I did it on purpose that way, because as I said, I was going through that thing where I was trying to procedurally see, I was trying to observe what's going on with people and see, seeing what's happening. And this this sort of vibe is eventually what I started to settle on. This is what I can do for people. There's there's a lot of things I can't do for people. Like I won't be able to sort out your, your investment plan with Bitcoin or anything like that. But I'm pretty good at sitting down with people and showing them how to reframe certain problems how to use this humility thing how to sit down and steal man things it's essentially a thinking psychological thinking skill it would be emotionally difficult for most people but it does get results as I said with the the, the anxiety boy like that's that's an example of how would he have ever got out of that labyrinth if he didn't see that reframe that reframe is something that it's it's from it's like Schopenhauer's quote um, talent hits the target no one else can hit genius hits the target no one else can see and that's and that's why i'm a genius but you know what i mean it's it's not necessarily that like you know you have genius or you don't it's actually a part of your mind that you're not using it's the perspective thing it's the wisdom if you will reframing shuffling things about it's the source of creativity it's the source about getting all this stuff done so this is the facility i'm working with like whatever your thing is we can take it we can sit down together and and say, all right, how do we push this forward? How do we actually do this properly? You're probably doing this psychological mistake. Everything I'm saying, you're probably like, oh my God, yes, that is me. Because I know it's true because I do it all the time as well. And it's that problem that you can overcome. If you want to work with me in that facility, as always, the email is in the description. You literally just talk to me for free. We'll like suss it out. We'll see if we vibe with each other. We see if you like what I'm talking about. We can try it out, see what you think about it. And then we can get going and work with each other long-term. And as I said, the Boyoversity will be opening up and then there'll be a probably a mad channel with like a load of that stuff and I'll try to get a couple of Boyo interviews on it so people can listen to how we're working through these problems and compare it to themselves and whatnot. That is absolutely everything. Thank you very much for your time. Stay, remain juicy. I have used the absolute profound authority of science because I completely don't trust my own opinions. And that's that's all this, all this was. It was just an appeal to science, guys. That's that's pretty much it. But I hope you enjoy. I think that's a fresh take. That uh, That's a hot take. That's one of those takes so hot that it hurts the touch. And that will give you a new perspective on what the shadow is. It gives you a very action-orientated perspective on what the shadow is because all you have to do is attack jargon. Jargon is evil. There is no such thing as evil. All morals are relative. Bar jargon. I'll talk to you later, people. Bye-bye.